Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show as well. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome back onto the show, Matt Hyde, Chief Executive Officer of the Scouts UK. And the focus of today is volunteering. We're going to be taking a look at a really interesting initiative called the Big Help Out. Many of our UK audience will know about the Big Help Out. Many of our international audience will not. But the Big Help Out was an initiative that was focused on raising awareness for volunteering throughout the UK and providing opportunities for people to experience what volunteering is all about and to make a difference in their communities. In a single day, they engaged more than 6 million individuals. And we're going to be taking a look at how this initiative came about, how it played out on the day, and what the future opportunities are going forward. So without further ado, Matt, a big heartfelt welcome back onto the Do One Better podcast today. It's good to be here. Well, it's great to see you. And I have to tell you, you are, I think, the first ever guest to be on our show four times. This is your fourth visit. Uh, you were one of the very first guests back in 2019, then also in 2020 and in 2021. So here you are. I mean, you, you still look as young as ever. Uh, and it's well, I don't feel it, but that's very kind. You don't feel it. Well, there you go. Uh, but look, we're going to be talking about the big help out. I'm not going to put any context on that. I'm going to let you do all the groundwork. And for the listeners, if you want to find out more about the Scouts UK, uh, Matt Hyde is the CEO of the Scouts UK. And in the previous episodes, we talk about the organization. We talk about some of the uh, strategic challenges and opportunities. So well worth a look. On all of those fronts so matt welcome thank you it's really really good to be back thank you for inviting me back it's great to see you so the big help out i'm familiar with it uh, many people might be some people might not especially if you're not in the uk give us a little bit of context so the big help out was one of the largest mobilizations of volunteers that this country the uk has seen for many many years certainly probably since the um, uh, Olympics, but it built on the incredible outpouring of kindness that we saw in the pandemic. And it, the event itself, the, the campaign of the Big Help Out, took place on the bank holiday Monday of the coronation of King Charles III. So that's um, what it is as a concept in terms of where it kind of came from uh we basically many of us in the charity sector had been inspired by the incredible um as i say outpouring of of, of the giving of time uh, and looking after our neighbors and our communities that took place with um covid19 an incredible 12.4 million people volunteered during the pandemic. And 4.6 million of those uh, volunteered for the very first time. And of those, 3.8 million said that they wanted to continue to volunteer. And so there were some of us who were saying that is such a seismic change in terms of societal acts of what I would call sort of pro-social behaviours, you know, checking out in neighbours, working in um, 
what we saw with the vaccinations that were given out, uh, particularly by St John Ambulance, um, the Royal Voluntary Service who um, undertook their acts of uh, supporting the huge vaccination effort. But just, you know, everything from us going out on our doorsteps and uh, banging our pots and pans and sort of in tribute to the NHS to just checking in to the person over the road to see how they were. And I think, you know, many of us were really, really inspired by that. And as we came through it, we said, you know, is that how do you play forward what you've seen in the pandemic? And uh, and in in a time that was so difficult for so many people, actually, how do we capture the gains of what we've we've seen? So I, I did some work with um, uh, Catherine Johnston, who's the chief executive of the Royal Voluntary Service. Um, so for your international listeners, that is a uh, organisation that has traditionally provided volunteers within uh, particularly a health setting in order to um, uh, make a difference to people who are in the NHS who need more support um, and and that they particularly mobilised that the, what was called became known as the Jabs Army in the um, in, in the pandemic itself. So Catherine and I spent a lot of time thinking about you know how do we galvanise the charity sector in the UK to do something really powerful here, and we pulled together a group of about what was originally about fifteen chief executives, but now is about thirty of the largest charities. On what became a coalition called Shaping the Future with Volunteering. So how, if we were really to seize the moment and play forward what we've seen in the pandemic, how do you do it in a way that is really about shifting systems, working with businesses, thinking beyond the charity sector, innovating the charity sector, changing how you attract volunteers so it isn't just about, you know, I'm going to volunteer X hours each week forever. But, you know, micro volunteering, bite sized volunteering, dipping in and out of, of opportunities in a way that fits with your your lifestyle. And so we started work on that. So that's that kind of set the foundation. And then around the same time, um, I'm on the board of Comic Relief, um, which has raised uh, millions and millions and millions of pounds um, for good causes uh, in the UK and across the world. Uh, for over 30 years, um, which is all based around public engagement. Traditionally on the, a night of TV, as many people in the UK will know, a sort of a classic telethon um, uh, appeal often on a, on a Friday night on the BBC that raises money for those causes. And I sort of thought as I sat there at one of these board meetings with the work we were doing on volunteering, what about if you could have a night of TV that was based on the giving of time rather than the giving of money. So that's how this idea started and did a bit of work with um, Richard Curtis to, to sort of flesh that out a bit more and think it through a bit more. Um, and we pitched it um, to the uh, to the BBC. Tim Davey, um, Director General, had been chair of the Comet Relief Board. Uh, so we had a good route in, but uh, we pitched it as part of the Platinum Jubilee of the Queen. And frankly, they have plenty of content, um, to, to, uh, 90 plus years of, of content for, for that particular occasion. So 
it didn't go anywhere. And I think there's a lesson here. Uh, there's a leadership lesson here. Lots of things I've done like this over the years. You kind of think the idea has gone and you walk away from it. But a good idea has a tendency still to come back and breathe, new, new, get new life. And um, and indeed, um, when there was the lying in state of the Queen, which at the Scouts, we were very involved in the supporting the marshalling of the queue and um, the crowds around London. Um, spoke at the time to Simon Case, Cabinet Secretary, who'd come to um, say thanks to many of our volunteers. And we got onto the conversation about the coronation of, of King Charles III and said, you know, what, uh, had they had any thoughts about this? And I think at this time they had announced they were going to do a bank holiday Monday, but they didn't know what they were going to do on it. And I said, well, I think we might have an idea that we can pitch to you. So what then happened was the next few months, we were going back and forth with the Department for Culture, Media and Sport and some conversations with the Royal Households. Um, and the idea of a night of TV shifted uh, and became a much broader public engagement campaign around mobilising people to take action, to give service in their communities and volunteer on one day that became the Bank Holiday Monday. Really both, I suppose, in, to some extent with reference to the service of the Queen, but also in different initiatives I've been involved in over the years, something called Step Up to Serve, which was about of the I Will campaign, as it became known, which was about mobilising young people to undertake social action and volunteering in their communities. The King was the patron of that, and I had heard him speak as Prince of Wales about him giving a speech uh, in the House of Lords in 1975, the, the subject of which was volunteering and youth volunteering, um, where he described it as good for the soul. So I knew that actually there was a resonance between this idea of what we wanted to pitch and, and what was going to clearly be part of the brand of the King. So we basically got the green light just before Christmas uh, 2022, which meant that we had five months to shape the idea and, and pitch it and actually make it happen, uh, which was with no resource at the time. Um, it was a loose coalition of charities and it was uh, we uh, were working with what was called the Together Coalition, chaired by the Archbishop of Canterbury that had it was a cross sector initiative focused on social connection but we knew that they had the cross sector uh, partnerships which was going to be key here to make this happen it couldn't just be about the charity sector it had to be about the private sector it had to be about the NHS it had to be about broadcast and the media as well for it to really um to fly and so um, they shaped it uh, with us over those next uh, five months. And what did it look like when it, when it did play out? What did it actually look like? So over those five months, um, there was, um, as we shaped it, there were three components. The first component was the public engagement campaign. So using a mix of traditional media and social media, celebrity ambassadors and the royal family to 
get across the message that volunteering was good for you, that it was good for your health, that it was good for your skills, and it was good to be part of something. And, the, and there's stacks of, as you will know, evidence and research to, to back that up. Uh, so that was the first message. Second message was um, uh, to signpost how people could get involved. So we set up a digital platform whereby organisations could upload opportunities and then you would be able to, as a, as a punter, would be able to put on in your postcode and it would pull up all the opportunities that existed in your local community on the issues that matter to you, whether that be animal welfare, whether that be uh, young people, whether it be food poverty, whatever it was, it would show you the opportunities, the volunteering opportunities that existed within your community, including those that were one-off, one-hour, or online, or or more ongoing opportunities that were needed. Um, and because one in, um, I think it was it one in five people say that they don't participate in volunteering or undertake volunteering opportunities because they don't know where to go. And so that was this that was partly to address that. Um, and then the third aspect was within communities, um, getting organisations to put on events, put on activities from litter picking to we in scouts did pop-up scouting where you could get involved, bring the family along, do loads of activities. And while you're there, give, gave you an opportunity to make the ask about, have you ever thought about volunteering? Um, you had the National Literacy Trust doing um, uh, literacy champions where you could go and read to young people. You had ramblers doing walks. You had local towns and villages doing everything from litter picks to um, uh, coming together to um, get involved in food banks. Yeah, a whole range of things. And so what we really wanted, the way I kind of saw it was you wanted to create this noise and volume that when you went on the one show, went on social media, opened the newspaper, wherever you were, you saw the noise around the big how pow that stimulated interest in thinking about, actually, I've never volunteered before, or uh, I used to volunteer, but I've stopped doing it because what we saw in the pandemic was a lot of people, particularly older people who'd stepped away from volunteering. Um, and to, to make the case, as I say, that, that obviously volunteering is good for the organisations that rely on volunteers. So in Scouts, you know, in the UK, we've got 143,000 volunteers, but we've got 100,000 young people on our waiting list. So we need about 16,000 more volunteers. So it's good for society, good for, in, in our instance, young people, but it's good for for you as an individual as well. And we, I don't think many people have sort of talked about that in that kind of way of just getting, planting the seed, getting people to think about this, but then to make it as easy as possible to make the transition as well, to think then about, okay, how can I get involved? And so what happened was we ran it. Um, we weren't sure how it was going to go. We, I thought it was going to be popular. I thought it was going to be a success. But if I tell you we had lots and lots of discussions in January, I remember, about a press release and whether or not we should be saying it's going to be a thousand, a, a million people step forward or not. 
uh, there was a degree of sort of intake of breath about, well, can we get a million people to step forward? And as it was on the day, 6.4 million people took part in the Big Help Out. And over the course of the week, it was 7.2 million people. And one in three people had heard of the Big Help Out as well. And even though 7 million people took part, over 10 million people said that they had been inspired to volunteer as a result of the Big Help Out. So taking part varied depending on some people. There was about 1.8 million people who actually volunteered. There were 2.6 million people who attended an event and there were 2.7 million people who helped out informally, which could have been um, doing something for your neighbour or doing some litter picking locally or things like that. But actually, I just think it, this is so, so important, Alberto, about promoting what I, you know, as I say, pro-social behaviours, the things that you can do that just nudge people to undertake acts of kindness in their community, whether that be formally uh, or informally, are the things that make our society work more socially cohesive and um, lead to better health outcomes. I mean, you can only tackle things like, um, in my view, the challenges with health and social care, if at least in part, there is a community driven response, because that's how you reduce the entry into uh, hospital admissions. It, it absolutely proven time and time again that uh, that we know, and it's at the heart of social prescribing, of course, that if we can get people more connected in their communities, you reduce loneliness, you improve out health outcomes. And then for many people undertaking volunteer, what we see as well as particularly in scouts is it improves your skills. So there is a win, win, win here. And, and that's why we think, you know, the Big Help Out has been a, a huge success. 33,000 organizations took part, 33,000. Remarkable. As it happens, I'm volunteering with the scouts later on uh, tonight. Well, <laughs> since, fantastic. Since my kids are both are both in it. Well, thank you for that. Well, you know, it's a great outfit. Not to plug the scouts, but but it is. Uh, but you said earlier, you know, a great idea doesn't just go away; it sort of stays there. Well, what about a great initiative like this? Uh, you 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 blew that one million participation target right out of the water. Um, if we're looking at at the benefits of volunteering, as we're highlighting, and looking at the success of the big help out, what are you envisioning going forward? How can you leverage the success that you've achieved in order to ensure that that momentum doesn't stop and that you keep on helping, hopefully even more people, uh, encouraging them to get involved in that pro-social behavior that you're touching on? So we are um, uh, planning on this not being a one-off. And... We are just finalising things at the moment. So I'm hoping to make, uh, we're hoping to make an announcement before Christmas on this. I mean, what was really interesting, we never set out for this to be a big sort of legacy project. And um, it was really about using the opportunity that was presented by the coronation. But when we went back out and spoke to, to participants and organisations about whether or not we should do it again or whether it should become an annual event the um the response has been overwhelmingly positive 
and and from you know i think we had three or four editorials the day after calling for it to be an annual event um we did our own polling as i say with different audiences and i think that's because you know in truth people can see the um the positive difference it made on the day and also just the fact it was a good news story and you know there every day we seem to turn on the news and not only do we see negative stories we see stories that are um particularly i think we're going to see more of this over the next year unfortunately stories that are about dividing communities and othering communities rather than something that is about the uh, how acts of service actually connect our communities and bring them together so you know one of the interesting statistics from this year or the, the data points that i really enjoyed was that 80% of people who took part met someone from a different background now that that for me is absolutely critical and again is at the assess- essence and at the heart of why volunteering is such a powerful experience and why kind of relationships are built in a slightly different way i saw this with the lying in state of the queen the difference in terms of the connectivity with the people in the queue with the security company that had been paid to be there and the difference in terms of the engagement with what were predominantly young people 18 to 24 year olds in uniform scout uniform um engaging with the community and i you know it's what we saw as i say uh particularly when we queued up first time round to get the jabs in our arms um to be vaccinated against uh, covid was a strange i thought incredibly moving and powerful connection of 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 civic engagement and civic endeavor and i think rather than seeing that as some quaint 1950s jewy-eyed notion of uh a certain view of community and what that means i absolutely think that not only are there really really good examples of where community engagement and community development is thriving in the country but i think absolutely there's a prize to lean into here and there is a role for the government to stimulate some of those um the, the activities that do that more and bring people together this acts at the heart of the together uh, initiative but it's also incumbent upon us that have a passion for community connection and volunteering to realize that we have to change as organizations as well and we have to innovate and we have to break beyond our boundaries to connect with the private sector and, and others to make this come alive and if i just give one example on that the big help out was named by the one the producer of uh children in need of comet relief peter davy and it came from if you remember in the pandemic there was the big night in uh and so the big help out was the kind of follow up to the big night in now i do think if we'd have just left that to a load of charity professionals to have come up with that name there's no way they would have come up with a name that didn't include the word volunteer but actually the big help out the beauty of it is it's so simple it's so inclusive and then 
when we engaged um uh, Sarchi's did a lot of pro bono stuff with them they tested the name and it really really resonated particularly with lower income communities so we thought actually that i just thought it was a really interesting example about how you sometimes you do need that external impetus to give you the creativity and the innovation that gives you the the, the extra bit of gold dust that helps to bring something alive and i think it's still, that's i think it's such a strong brand let me build on that a little bit. So you're talking about some of the need for innovation and also that interaction between the charity space, the private sector. You touched a little bit earlier about 80% of those folks who were participating in the, in the big day out, engaging, meeting people from different backgrounds. And earlier in the show, you also mentioned how, I think it was one in five, individuals who wish to volunteer maybe don't because they just don't know where to go. And I'm just thinking in my head, this one word that comes to mind, which is marketplace. And you mentioned that platform that you created where organizations could come in and put in opportunities to engage and volunteer and people could look and find out. And how can you leverage the, um, the sort of platforms and systems and mechanisms you put in place for bringing in millions of folks together to volunteer and connecting those who are looking for volunteers with those who are looking for volunteering opportunities and that community interaction and cross-sector uh, engagement between the private space, the charity space. What can you what can you do from all of that? How can you how can you use those things going forward as well? Well, I think you know what's been powerful about particularly the um, Together uh, Coalition is it very self consciously brought people from different sectors together around common aims and i think as part of that that you've got to be i suppose if you're in that space you know we talk a lot about systems leadership actually but i i see a lot of people who talk the language of collaboration but don't necessarily display the behaviors of collaboration and i think you've got to be curious to learn so i mean i learned loads just spending time with um, Saatchi or Freud's or others who were involved in this and th and then being thinking, well, okay, how, how do we draw on that learning to ensure that we are doing things differently? Because that, that's, that's got to be at the heart of this. Now, as we did things differently and as we pushed the barrier on things like that, I'm not going to pretend that everyone thought it was the best idea in the world. In fact, there were certain pockets of the charity sector who are very hostile towards it and still are because, um, you know, uh, they would probably say, well, can you really change things on one day? Well, you know, my sense is that I think one of the lessons for me is you can't let, um, you know, perfection can be the enemy of good. So we've never set out to say this will solve all problems for volunteering in the country. What we can point to is some incredible examples of where that the, the different approach, the, the, the approach that's driven by a public engagement campaign, probably more like pay, um, make of uh, poverty history. Um, and that is genuinely collaborative and where you can kind of leave your egos at the door is very, very, very powerful. And you know, if I just give you two case studies, one um, directly which related to the app was a, a, a charity uh, 
it was our charity chair who said to me, she'd been trying to get volunteers for a year. She just couldn't do it. They might occasionally get one and they'd leave. And then she said they got 50 volunteers because of the big help out. And most, and, and nearly all of those volunteers have stayed. And that's a small charity who, who do, wasn't able to rely on a big brand like Scouts to be able to um, promote and generate that level of interest. And that's where I think that the, that the overarching banner has been so powerful. Um, and the and the other example would be someone like the RSPCA, who, you know, their chief executive went on uh, uh, BBC Breakfast with me and started talking about the need for to house grumpy cats. Hmm. Uh, he got um, over the course of that next month, they got fifteen hundred volunteers, uh, volunteer inquiries. Um, they've got fifteen thousand in total, so that was ten percent just from that alone. And then they got because of the innovation that they deployed by doing online volunteering as well they got a further 1500 volunteers engaging online so i think those who lent into um the opportunity really really benefited from that now was it entirely perfect absolutely not so the area that we are really leaning into for the next year um assuming it all goes ahead is we did really well in terms of generally around across diversity. So we did really well geographically, um, maybe slightly less in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, but there will be some links to the coronation there. We did um, uh, well in terms of, we did really well in terms of young people. So the 16 to 30 year old age bracket was the highest of all the, all the age brackets. So we did really well in terms of young people. Uh, really well in terms of um, race and ethnicity, where we um, didn't do as well, and this is you see this time and time in, again in volunteering, is that uh, is in lower income communities. And what we want to do, and I've been having conversations about this today, is to get funding to push down into say twenty five, fifty, a hundred targeted communities for them. To, to use that funding as a source of local community coordination where there isn't the sort of same degree of social capital or social infrastructure to use the Big Help Out as an opportunity to invest to see if you can just try some things differently and a test and learn basis to use the brand as an opportunity to do something different that will galvanise people and to give a reason to galvanise um, those communities. So we're working with the vision for volunteering around that as well, which is a, um, a government-backed initiative, but sector-owned uh, for volunteer infrastructure, but organisations who've come together to see if we can just try some stuff and do things differently. And and it's about not being precious about how we've always done things. It doesn't mean to say that there won't be volunteering opportunities in the same way we offer now, where people volunteer. You know, we rely on beaver scout leaders cub scout leaders scout leaders week in week out to, to run scouts so there will still be a need for traditional volunteering opportunities but we are as interested as we transform our volunteer experience within scouts as others should be about what about the people who want to help out now and again or will put dip their toe in the water and in doing so 
are more likely to go and create a habit of volunteering and service after that in a way that works for them. And folks who perhaps, you know, because of neural diversity or something else, want to volunteer in person or would like to do so remotely or, right? Yeah. Well, what was really interesting is what we saw in the pandemic was we saw a decline in formal volunteering, but we saw an increase in informal volunteering. So um, we saw people stepping away, particularly um, older people who had broken a habit or by virtue of just the fact they needed to stay at home, weren't able to volunteer. And then in breaking the habit, they've not gone back and volunteered. So, but we saw other examples of people who, we saw this in Scouts actually, we lost about um, about 20,000 people stepped back from volunteering over that period who then didn't come back, although they are starting to come back now, just because they broke the habit of service. But what we did see an increase in was greater diversity in volunteers because the informal volunteering engaged younger people, but also people who uh, could volunteer from home because they were doing it online. And so what that meant was people who probably previously were overlooked as people who could volunteer suddenly could do it at their um, on their phone or at their, at their keyboard. One thing I wanted to ask you is, so no, no easy feat getting these 30 CEOs uh, from some of the biggest charities together. Uh, I think even under normal circumstances, probably not not easy. But when you're under this sort of time pressure and constraints, probably even more challenging. Um, how is the momentum with those folks? And conceivably, could those 30 CEOs become 100 CEOs next year? Well, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, there were many, many, as I say, there were 33,000 uh, organizations and many charities beyond those those sort of 30 who were the um if you like the kind of catalyst and the driving force for this and you know I, they will have heard me say uh in the these meetings that Catherine Johnston and I co-chair that it I, I, I mean one of the things I think that's been incredibly powerful is, is it's been very much an ego free room and he can't always say that. Uh, he says, as a chief exec, um, uh, with uh, when you, when you've got a load of senior leaders in a room. But that, I think that was one of the great strengths is that everyone galvanised around the cause and were open to learning and listening, um, and everyone had their part to play. I think for some for some charities, it's it's been easier for other charities. So to get taster sessions or one-off sessions is harder if you're, say, at Citizens Advice than it is if you're um, at, uh, if you're in the Scouts and you can do some fun activities during the day or other youth organisations. Um, but, you know, we saw other, you know, we did see some real creativity in there as well. I mean, Age UK opened all their um, retail shops to say, you know, come in and and see if you um, uh, see if you want to volunteer and help out. I was talking to the Lord Lieutenant of of Hertfordshire, and he went to three different shops uh, on the um, uh, on the Bank Holiday Monday, 
Uh, and he said that while he was in there, nine people came off the street and just said, I'm here. It's part of the big help out. I want to help out and volunteer. And he spoke to one of them and said, um, have you ever volunteered before? And she said, no. And he said, well, you know, why now? And she said, well, to be honest with you, I'd never thought about it before. So, you know, even if you've got some people who, because of the campaign, saw the big help out, saw it on the one show, heard about it on the radio, turned on the news, saw Prince Louis on a digger in Slough and thought, that's quite fun. Maybe I should look at the, the platform and think about volunteering. You know, that's great. I mean, you know, he's planting the seed. And what we will learn is if if it does become an annual event, is what are the things that are working for people in different areas? Because not everything will. And there will necessarily be a, if, if we're truly to innovate, there's going to be a failure rate that comes with that as well. And that's okay. Because if out of that, there are some nuggets that, because we tried something differently, different community connectors, different leads in a local community, different invest, you know, different levels of investment in different social infrastructure. And then we learn from what's working in one area and can that be applied to another area? That's great. You've got then a vehicle that is actually driving social change uh, because we're building on that, that those learnings and we're acting on it. Um, and that's, I think that's really exciting. Well, I for one will be keeping an eye, close eye on this space and see how things unfold. Uh, I have a feeling it'll be pretty cool. Before you run off, a key takeaway. I always like to ask you, what's that key takeaway you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they uh, finish listening to today's episode? I would say there were lots of people who, as we were building this new idea, were quite sceptical about it and were quite vocally sceptical about it as well. And my chief scout, Bear Grylls, has a saying, which is, uh, beware the dream stealers. Uh, and I, I quite like that. Uh, and now, you, sh you should always, in my view, listen to your critics, because they might have a point. Or you might, by engaging with them, improve what you're doing. And we did a lot of listening. And I'd spent a lot of time with people who were quite critical of it to say, you know, there was a concern about national v local charities there was a concern about um are we undermining existing volunteering infrastructure so we talked about okay well what can we do on the platform that makes sure that we are promoting local volunteering infrastructure particularly in um, in the nations so you've got to listen and engage but i suppose the key takeaway is don't let perfection be the enemy of good be strong enough in your conviction around an idea that whilst you want to listen to people and modify what you're doing, don't think you're going to get everyone on board and it's all going to be perfect because it won't be. And that's okay. If it makes a big enough social difference, then it was worth doing. Matt, I love it. Thanks so very much for joining me and joining us on the Do One Better podcast. And I am already looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much. Always good to be here and always good to talk. 
Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Matt Hyde, Chief Executive of the Scouts UK. For information about this conversation and more than 200 other interviews and case studies with remarkable thought leaders in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at Ligi.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. Very much enjoyed producing today's show for you, and I look forward to catching up with you next week.